Welcome in to the Destination Debbie College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Edgington, joined by my co-host, Derek Cook. Derek, we're recording about 8.30 at night, so most of week one is wrapped up. Saw some pretty exciting football from a Debbie standpoint. What did you think of the slate overall that we got to see today? Uh, slate overall was was excellent. We let off with a banger. Um, that we'll get into it, but that Colorado game was sweet, man. I'm, I am excited for all things football now. We are knee-deep into this, so I'm ready to get down to it, brother. And we're going to talk a good bit of that about that Colorado game. That was a fun one to watch all the way around except for their defense, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit. We'll get it kicked off with the Florida and Utah from Thursday night. Disappointed by Florida's offense, to be honest. I wasn't expecting a whole bunch from them, but I wanted to see more of Trevor Etienne, and he obviously was not the main back. It was still Montrell Johnson Jr. Didn't get to see the freshman, Andy Jean and Eugene Wilson, unfortunately. And it was just a low-scoring game. Utah had some exciting plays. I know you and I were texting during it, and Loved what we saw from Nate Johnson. He's just an absolute elite athlete. I'm excited to see him. Hopefully, he'll be the starter next year once Cam Rising leaves. But other than that, I was disappointed with Trevor Etienne's usage as well as Jaquindon Jackson on Utah's side. Yeah, I'd feel like I'd be echoing pretty much the exact same thing you just said. Uh, I figured Etienne would be more of a focal point. Graham Mertz did not look good at all. Looked terrible, frankly, in my opinion. Um did get a little bit of a taste of what uh, Utah is going to look like in the future, like you said, without Cam Rising. I think we're both uh, now big Nate Johnson guys. He's just athletic beyond belief and a, a freak of nature athlete. The touchdown run he had kind of reminded me, and I know I text you, but it reminded me of like Lamar Jackson at Louisville. Um, guy just makes you miss. Um, the third stringer, is it Bryson Barnes? Um, he also had a, a heck of a game, I think 150 plus yards, a couple touchdown throws. So I think the future is bright for Utah. Yeah, he looked good as well. Unfortunately, no cam rising, but we did get a glimpse into the future. It looks pretty bright at the quarterback position for Utah. Of course, Utah pulled it out 24 to 11, I believe. Yeah, 24, 23, 11, something like that. Yeah. And then to an even more of a barn burner. Talk about a classic Big Ten game. We had Nebraska at Minnesota. Again, another disappointment, unfortunately. Uh, Jeff Sims is clearly the running back one for Nebraska. He had, I think, 19 carries. But Billy Kemp, the transfer, number one receiver, didn't even have a target this game. And Minnesota passed more than I expected them to. I expected more Sean Tyler usage and just didn't get it. But it was good old Big Ten game like we grew up watching. Nebraska or Minnesota came down and scored, I think, 10 points in the last four minutes. Yeah, so, didn't they have that crazy fourth down conversion or touchdown there at one point? I think they were down 10 to three or something. Yeah, um, with the, the toe drag in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, I mean, just a sweet play overall. Uh, again, like you said, kind of a, a more traditional Big Ten game, low scoring, kind of a snooze fest in a way. Uh, I like you saying Jeff Sims is Nebraska's running back one because, you know, 19 yard, 19 rushes, 91 yards. Uh, I, I get along with that, but uh, it would have been nice to see Matt Rule get a W, but, you know, it is what it is, man. Unfortunately, it's not coming next week either, going at Colorado. That'll be a another fun one to watch Shadur in. But Missouri drew the tough opponent, South Dakota. Other than Luther Burden, there's not much to talk about, but he finally had that 
huge game that we were all expecting last year. You know, last year was a bit of a dud for Luther Burden, unfortunately. But he had a very good all-around game. Yeah, what do you have? Um, 150-plus total total yards? It was, it was a bit. I think he had almost 100 receiving. And then uh, the punt return or kick return? I can't exactly uh, – punt return? Yeah. Yeah, he had a lot of all-purpose yards. That's what I'm trying to find right now. I know I had it down earlier. Yeah, yeah, he had uh, one kick return for 23 yards, two punt returns for 18 yards, and then I think 96 receiving yards. Yeah, and he also had one carry. But that's what we were looking for, to see those big games, the big gains, the yak. We finally got it from him. I'll just uh, come into a sophomore year, so there's always room to improve and to see more of it. Yeah, it's nice to see, considering some of us had him, what, top five Debbie wide receiver. So finally to see that kind of – paved the way for us having him that high is, is nice to see. Yeah, I know for me personally, he's dropped out of my top 10. Maybe he'll move back up after this game. We'll see. Yeah, but he was definitely top five at some point because he was in mine too, or top six. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you, though. Some of these younger guys have just overtaken him. And then that brings us to Southern Utah and Arizona State. Talked about it on our preview show we did on our other podcast, the Gridiron Fantasy Show, a transfer running back, Cameron Scadabo. He was as advertised, uh, 71 rush yards and a touchdown and added four receptions and 41 yards through the air. So it was good to see him come in immediately at a power five level and make an impact right away. Yeah, I'm right there with you. We touched on him a little bit. I mean, what's his name? Scatterbro, Scatterbo, immediate impact to me personally. There's not a whole heck of a lot more to, to cover in this game for me. Nice to see somebody come in immediately and get, make an impact, which will be a trend when we talk a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, freshman Jaden Rashada talked about him a lot. I'm a big fan of his. He looked above average to me for a true freshman starting his very first game. Uh, 236 yards and two touchdowns, but the key is he had no turnovers and they pulled out a W. So didn't see a bunch of those freshman mistakes that hurt the team. So that was a good sign to see from him from day one. Yeah, being a true freshman, there's going to be some growing pains along with that. But like you said, uh, not throwing interception as a week one starter, it's it's good news. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Rashada just yet, but I'm getting there on him. Oh, you'll be on the train eventually, my friend. It's coming. I was a little late on Drake May last year, so it's, it's, it's possible to be late on Rashada too. And then we'll move into the Friday night games. We had Miami of Ohio at Miami of Florida. A big takeaway for me was seeing a lot of freshman Mark Fletcher. He had nine carries for 76 yards and a tutty. And Tyler Van Dyke was a little disappointing to me. Didn't have the worst stat line, 17-22 for 201, but only one touchdown he did get picked off. I expected him to bounce back and have a bigger game than what he did, but unfortunately he just didn't live up to the expectations I had. Yeah, considering they put up 38 points, you would have thought he would have had you know, three or four touchdown passes. He only had one, like you said, also the interception. Um, you know, maybe that that TVD train is slowly coming to a halt. Yeah, it is. It's not a slamming halt like Mr. Eric Gilbert and the unfortunate news with him earlier this week, but it, it's slowly getting that way. And then the Missouri State at Kansas on Friday night as well. I was really looking forward to seeing Jalen Daniels play. Unfortunately, he was not ready to play, so he did not play at all. But Devin Neal picked up exactly where he left off last season. 
97 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. So up till Braylon Allen had a good game. He really had the best day out of all the 2024 eligible running backs, in my opinion. Braylon Allen in Wisconsin did? Uh, no, Devin Neal up until Braylon Allen had a good oh, game. Oh, okay, okay. I mis- misunderstood you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one for sure. Devin Neal looked like 13 carries, 94 yards on the ground, a touchdown, can't complain, and another three-yard touchdown in the mix as well. So big game for him for Kansas. And then we'll move on to the Saturday slate, and we'll, we'll get it right off the top from the noon kickoff, big big noon kickoff game, Colorado at TCU. And we'll just take it from the top of the quarterback position. Shooter Sanders, he was he absolutely balled out. He had a phenomenal game. Couldn't have asked for anything better for a debut at a Power 5 conference. Uh, he had 510 passing yards, which is a school record, and four touchdowns. He didn't put the ball in harm's way. He didn't make any huge mistakes. He was calm, cool, collected the whole game. My biggest takeaway from that was their line was very, not very good, but he moved well within the pocket, moved side to side to get out of trouble and extend plays. He he was deadly accurate. He missed on a couple deep balls, overthrew one, underthrew another, but he did connect on some towards the end of the game. You saw the arm strength. You saw the great touch on the ball. It was phenomenal. You couldn't have asked for a better debut for him. All aboard the hype train. It's going to get filled up very soon. Yeah, I uh, caught myself personally lifting my chin up off the ground probably a a couple handful of times during this game. Uh, This offense went solely because of Shadur Sanders. He had four receivers with 100-plus yards, so he was spreading the ball around extremely well. Uh, again, touched the same thing you did, 5 and 10 yards. School record in his debut as a Colorado quarterback, four touchdowns. I mean, I can't speak enough or, or highly enough about Shadur Sanders' play today. Um, if you weren't on the train, it might be a little late now. Um, but Shadur, he's, 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 uh, he's the truth, man. Um, I think he's going to be top three in this 24 class. If he continues the way it goes, it's – Extremely possible. Uh, this was supposedly his toughest defense he was going to face all season. Of course, TCU went to the national championship last year. Like I said, couldn't ask for a better debut. Yeah, I think it'll be the toughest defense until they play Utah later in the season. Yeah, that's the very last game, I believe. So he's going to have 11, ge- 11 games to prepare for that tough defense. And he, he just looks ready. He said uh, even in his postgame c- conference that – that's the most passing yards he's ever had in his life, and he played at an HBCU. You know, a little little jab at everyone out there that said HBCU is not good competition and blah, blah, blah. And, well, he went up power five, and he showed you he does it against anybody, which is what we expected. We're big sugar standard guys. It's it's what we expected, but it was also what we were waiting for, just to see him go out there. And, and I wouldn't necessarily play to this level, but play – 80, 90% to this level is what I was expecting. I mean, the, what he put on film today was, I mean, he had two or three Heisman moments today. So do you think it's a realistic possibility we'll see him in New York? I think he'll easily finish top 10 in Heisman voting. Uh, I'm I, not quite sure he'll get in the top four, depending on how Colorado performs. Yeah, that's I, I, I'm with you. I think he'll easily finish top 10, top eight at least. Um, but top four and actually taking the trip there. I, I'm not sure yet. Don't know if I'm sold. 
again, like you said, it depends on the the team success as well. Uh, Colorado's got a fairly easy road ahead of them, um, but I'm just, I'm not sure yet. I think he's plenty talented enough to win it. I just don't know if it sucks because a quarterback Colorado. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think he makes it there. I mean, one of the most impressive things about this game that I don't think enough people are talking about or taking into account is this is a whole new team. None of these yeah. guys outside of Shadur and Travis Hunter played together before now. So it's a whole new offensive scheme, a whole new set of players, and they had very good chemistry. Like you said, four receivers went over 100 yards. And I saw a stat, I believe it was there was only two games last year where receivers went over 100 yards for Colorado. Right, and a whole season. And they surpassed that in one game. Right. Speaking of the receivers, Travis Hunter did play both ways. He almost never left the field. But on offense, he's clearly the number one wide receiver. He had 15 targets, caught 11 of them for 119. Unfortunately, no touchdowns. He did have one that was reversed. And then he actually had an interception defense, so he had a really good game. For himself as well, both ways. He had, I think, one or two other pass breakups. So kudos to Travis Hunter for playing so many snaps and being very effective on both sides of the ball. I don't know exactly what his uh, number of snaps wound up being at the end of the game, but I know with like six, seven minutes left, he was over 110, which to me is 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 crazy. I can't imagine the type of conditioning that he's going through. So So kudos to him. You know, going through that, there were several times where you could tell he was just gassed. And, and left the field on offense. Um, but, yeah, he, he he balled out today, too. I mean, almost as much as Shadur Sanders. Like you said, that interception he had was – I don't know if there's any other cornerback that could have made that play. I mean, he he just stepped in front of it, man, he, he, and he laid out completely for it. He's, he's just a heck of a ball player. Oh, absolutely. He is going to be fun to watch, especially on offense. He's only going to get better from here. The more reps he takes, the more – game experience he has because at Jackson State he wasn't a full-time receiver like he appears to be and Shadur said in the post-game interview that every day in practice he's going against him he's the best corner in the world so his margin of error is extremely slim you know can't go too far inside can't go too far outside you know we've said it before you know iron sharpens iron that's exactly what they're going to do for each other plus uh Cormani McLean, I saw he got a rare interception off Sanders a couple days ago in practice. So he's going to be a good one as well. Hopefully he gets up to speed being a true freshman and came in for fall that him and Travis Hunter played next to each other in the defensive backfield. That would be fun to watch. That would really improve the defense as well. Yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Travis Hunter shuts down one side of the field. So if you can have two guys out there that can basically do that, like you said, side by side. I mean, that'd be for Colorado letting TCU's put up 42. That would drastically change that defense in, in a good way, obviously. Um, I know we're not real big on, on defense, but Shiloh Sanders had himself a pretty good game too. Yeah, all around it was a pretty good game. I mean, the defense we didn't expect to be lights out. They're very small in stature, so they're going to let up a lot of points. That's to be expected. They're going to be in shootouts almost every single game which this offense is built for, up-tempo, going to run a lot of plays. They don't substitute very often. They caught TCU, especially in the first possession of the game, trying to substitute when Colorado didn't. They did get one penalty for too many men on the field. 
but it also resulted in one play. Uh, receiver is wide open, nobody guarding him. So this offense is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and, Connor. Go ahead. Go sorry. ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say it reminds me of uh, like old school Oregon. Just go, go, go. Um, we'll check. You said it's going to lead to you know no um, substitutions, and then once they figure out what is working well on offense, and the defense finally substitutes, they're going to flip it the opposite direction. It's going to be deadly, especially in the Pac-12, to where it's probably the worst Power Five conference. Arguably, they're going to defense is going to have a hard time keeping up. They're going to be gassed. We saw it today. They're going to have a tough time substituting. And Dylan Edwards, the freshman running back, good God, what a game he had! 117 all-purpose yards and four touchdowns, three through the air, one on the ground, and he caught the game-winning touchdown as well. I believe. Yeah, he, he did with like four minutes left. It was a little check down throw from Shadur out to the or you know, he went out to the left of Shadur and caught it uh, and made one guy miss and then was off to the races. Uh, That's right, it's a long one. Yeah, I was extremely impressed with, with Dylan Sanders or Dylan Edwards, excuse me. I keep saying Sanders. Um, I on the, on the notes for my game notes, I had Dylan Sanders again. Or said it again, Dylan Edwards again, and then and then right underneath it, Dylan Edwards again. So it's it seems like every time they needed a play, Dylan Edwards was making that play. Yeah, I didn't. I even said earlier one of our chats I was in today. I was way too low on him. I didn't yeah. expect him to be this good, especially this early. And the running back room is only going to get better. Transfer from Houston, Alton McCaskill did not play today. So he's going to get added to that rotation. He would be the main back, but maybe Dylan Edwards is now. Who knows? But I, I, mean, I think maybe, it was the first touchdown of the game. It was a beautiful play call by the OC, former Kent State head coach. They had Travis Hunter split out far left, and they had him go in a slant all the way to the middle of the field, and Dylan Edwards just trotted out there, walked in the end zone, nobody around wide open, just beautiful scheming by the OC. And those are the things that Dylan Edwards can do for you. He's a great receiving back so far. Yeah, I know that I was uh, quite low on him because I think he, what he's like—he's like five nine, and he's—he's he's a pretty pretty small back. Um, yeah, he so. was sub one seventy coming into Colorado, so a lot of people, including myself, did not think he'd be able to carry the load, being a the number one running back on a team. Yeah, that exactly. That was my biggest concern. Was just you know, no offense to him, just. Uh, Five nine sub one seventy. Is he going to be able to, like you said, carry the load, take the brunt of those hits? But today, I mean, arguably going to probably be the second toughest defense they play all year. Utah probably changed that last game of the season, but come that time, season's pretty much done. Um, but I was extremely impressed on Dylan Edwards, and he's shot at my rankings because of today. You score four touchdowns as a running back, you're going to shoot up everybody's rankings. Oh, especially as a true freshman. Again, just yeah. like Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter, first game at this level, and they all three impressed. This is going to be a nasty three-headed monster going forward. Absolutely. And, again, touching on um, McCaskill coming in, like you said, the transfer, uh, I wouldn't be upset about an RBBC with McCaskill, Edwards, and then was it Wilkerson? I think he had himself a decent game too. Yeah, Wilkerson. I believe he was the RB1 at Jackson State, actually. So he comes in and – Takes a little bit of a backseat to the other two. Yeah, he's he's also only a sophomore, so yes. Yeah. So would you say that's the the three best players today? 
Arguably, yeah. I think Shadur was easily the best. Dylan Edwards is probably second. The only argument is Travis Hunter, just because his stats, he didn't get in the end zone. For a lot of people, it's a big thing. But 10-plus catches, 100-plus yards, and an interception, you can't ask for anything better. I, and I with think the amount of snaps he played is just nuts. Yeah, a guy that truly plays both ways like this usually doesn't do stuff like, like this. Um, and then, like you said, he might have not had a touchdown, but how often do interceptions happen? I think that outweighs not having a touchdown. Exactly. I completely agree with you there, but we'll go ahead and move on and stop fanboying over the Colorado offense. Yeah. We had Virginia at Tennessee. The only takeaway I had from this one was Joe Milton all aboard his hype train as well. He had, a, I think it was 50, 50 yards in the air, just off a flick of a wrist like we know he can do. Very impressive. So a lot of people were hopping all over him for that. But stat-wise, 201 through the air and two touchdowns, then 33 on the ground and two more touchdowns. So he's showing his athleticism and running ability today. And the big thing, like I mentioned before, with Jaden Rashada, no turnovers for Joe Milton which was yeah. his big issue at Michigan was turnovers and being inaccurate. He had an absolute bomb to, I forget which wide receiver, right in the breadbasket, and he dropped it. I think it was Keaton. No, yeah, yeah. No reason for it, just dropped it. Yeah. That would have been another big one. And also back to Travis Hunter, he had a couple of drops himself, especially on one long ball. He could have been close to 200 yards if he caught two or three more of his recept- his targets. Yeah, kind of backpedaling, like you said. Travis Hunter, I mean, I, the guy was gassed, I feel like, and that's I'm going to blame that for him dropping those balls. But, yeah, he would have – I know just the one would have been another 40, 50 yards and probably another, a touchdown. So, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm right there with you on the Joe Milton bandwagon, man. I, I kind of made that staple last year or in the offseason, probably more last year when Hendon Hooker was out. As long as he can be clean and, and not make uh, – you know, tons of mistakes, not compound errors, and, and turn the ball over. I think it's pretty likely he makes his way to the Heisman ceremony. I, I love me some Joe Milton, and that guy's just got a—he's got an arm for days, man. Like you said, just effortlessly threw the ball fifty yards through the air, and just—it looked like it was just a everyday throw for him. Which it is. That's the arm talent he has. He's just got to rein in the other things along with the arm talent. But speaking yeah. of Heisman. Backpedaling once again in Colorado. Popped into my head from Travis Hunter's show last week. Uh, He said, obviously, mostly joking around, but he said Shadur is number one for Heisman. He's number two, and Caleb Williams is number three. Everyone thought that was just absolute Looney Tunes when he said it. But after today, not so crazy. I mean, we saw Charles Woodson win it, you know, go blue. His stats weren't crazy. Even for back then, they weren't eye-popping, absolutely dominant. But because playing both ways, as well as special teams, he won it. You, know, you do a lot of different things really good. Travis Hunter has a possibility to be there in the end. No, he um, – I think Travis Hunter's got a uh, – to be honest, if Travis Hunter keeps putting up games like this, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the trip as well. I don't anticipate Sanders doing 500 yards a game. I think this was just a, just a crazy game. Not, not saying he can't do it again, but if – Travis Hunter does, you know, does this four or five more times throughout the season, interception, 100 plus yards, and maybe a touchdown, you know, three or four times in the season. I would not be surprised. I, I mean, there, there's a whole rabbit hole we can go down the Heisman talk where it's, you know, it's a QB award on the best team or whatever. But 
Uh, I think Travis Hunter's easily got a case for top three player in college football this year. Oh, yeah, there's no no doubt about that. The talent is there, and it showed on the biggest stage in his career so far. But enough of them. Hopefully, that'll be the last time we come back to that. We'll fangirl again. It won't be surprising. Then we had ECU at Michigan. Uh, J.J. McCarthy looked really good. He looked like he did improve a good amount over the offseason program. He looked more accurate. He also looked more willing to push the ball downfield and take those deep shots. Uh, He was 26 of 30, so deadly accurate, for 280 and three touchdowns through the air. Didn't really see much from him on the ground, which is perfectly fine. It's ECU. Don't need him to do that. And then Blake Corm, he is back fully healthy. He had a long run in the first or second quarter and then capped it off with a touchdown. He had 70-plus yards in the touchdown, so not a huge game, but, again, it's ECU, didn't need it. He was kind of babied back into his role a little bit, which was as expected. And then Roman Wilson switched to the prestigious number one for Michigan. If you know about Michigan, the wide receivers number one is the most prestigious number in the history of the football program, and it's typically given to the best receiver on the team every year. And Roman Wilson is wearing that honor, and he looked like it today with three touchdowns. Every McCarthy touchdown went right to him, which is yeah, good to see. You capped off every single note I had on this game. J.J. looked great through the air, almost 300 yards, three passing touchdowns. Blake Corum left, or picked up right where he left off last year, and Roman Wilson looks to be J.J.'s favorite target with three receiving touchdowns. I, that, that, those are my notes for the game. I didn't have access to watch the game, unfortunately. I don't know why. Um, I, saw uh, some don't have peacock. I do not. That's why. Well, no, I, I do not have Peacock. Um, but yeah, you, you hit every, every note I had on the game, brother. Uh, JJ looked great. Roman Wilson looks like he's the number one for the team. And I think it's going to be a, a heavy dose of Blake Corm for the season. Absolutely. And we saw Donovan Edwards. I think he had four catches. So we saw him utilize more as a pass catching weapon, like we expected. And Colston Loveland had four or five grabs, so heavily involved for the tight end. But all yeah, Colston Loveland had, I think, four last I looked. It was like four for 56. He had a, a good day. Yeah, and you got to think, no hardball. Our D coordinator, Jesse Menner, was running head coaching duties, so pretty damn good debut for him. Yeah, we'll have a new one next week, though, right? Yes, next week will be our offensive coordinator, I believe. You're going to have different head coaches every game, right? Until he's back. Yeah, every game. Yeah. Which is fine. Carball said it's a staff full of head coaches. So now we get to see a glimpse of that if he's just blowing smoke or if he's serious. Which so far, Jesse Miller looked apart. Team was I mean, 30, under control the whole game. He did great. 30 to 3. And like you said, game was never out of control. I think he did a heck of a job. We'll move on to Arkansas State at Oklahoma. I'll let you take it away on this one. I know you were pretty excited to bring bring up some stats and talk a little bit about what happened today. Oklahoma won what seventy three to nil, I think. Um, let me get let me get to in my notes, but yeah, it was a it was a bit of a game. Yeah, it was a shellacking. It the scoreboard looked like the old Oklahoma from the Bob Stutes era, oh, okay. or Lincoln Riley, I guess. Um, I think it was like 77 to zero. It was, it was crazy. Um, but Dylan Gabriel looked great through the air. He 
had almost as many incompletions as he did touchdown passes. He was 19 to 22 for 308 and two touchdowns. Uh, Dylan Gabriel also had a rushing touchdown. And Jackson Arnold, I think, was 11 for 11 for 110 yards and a touchdown as well. It just seems like both quarterbacks had themselves days. Can't blame them. They played Arkansas State. Um, the R- it was like an RBBC completely, though. Every, every running back, I think, who played got a touchdown. And like I said, I think Jackson Arnold had a rushing touchdown along with Dylan Gabriel. It was just touchdowns for everybody. It was like Oprah Winfrey. You get one, you get one, you get one. Um, yeah, he did have one on the ground and also 39 rush yards. And again, 100% completion percentage. What a day for the true freshman. Again, right. it's just Arkansas State, but still, to not miss a pass, add that on the ground, and then score twice, great game for him. Yeah, what I was also impressed with was that uh, freshman Nick Anderson had two catches for 68 yards. Uh, transfer Andrew Anthony, didn't he come from Michigan? Didn't that name sound familiar? Yeah, unfortunately he did. He looks to be a big part of that offense. Yeah, he had three for 66, and then good old uh, Drake Stoops had four for 56 and a touchdown. I know that one of you know Ray tweeted it, but he did look a little bit like Julian Edelman esque. So nice to nice to see a Stoops name go out there and play some football. Yeah, absolutely, especially wearing those colors. Then we had Western Carolina at Arkansas. Uh, not really too much from this game. Rocket Sanders had forty two rush yards, got in the end zone twice. Looked like he put on some lbs in the off season, but he. Atrocious yards per carry. I think it was 2.8. It was sub three. So as far as an efficiency standpoint, not very good for him. Not what we wanted to see for my RB1 in the class, for sure. And then KJ Jefferson came out and had a great game, 18 and 23 for 246. And I believe two touchdowns or three through the air. That three he added, passing, one, one rush. Yep, added one on the ground. I saw a lot of people buzzing about him. He could be a sneaky first round pick candidate. You know, he's also in the bucket of five, six seniors that could blast up the draft boards this season. He's off to a great start. I'm very impressed by him. Yeah, I mean you you touched again. I was really only going to talk about KJ and and Rocket Sanders. Like you said, Rocket Sanders had two rushing touchdowns. Otherwise didn't do a whole heck of a lot besides that. And then KJ Jefferson had himself a day with almost 250 yards, three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Not not much more to talk about. Uh KJ Jefferson, uh, I know he was extremely efficient last year. I think he had 2,900 passing yards, 20-odd, 25 touchdowns, and like five interceptions. So he's he's picking right off where he left – picking right up where he left off from last year. Um, so hopefully it's not quite as up and down as last year, but I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year for him if he keeps going at this rate. Hopefully Rocket Sanders – I guess drop some little bit of weight to get back in a little better shape. We saw him from last year, and can be a little bit more efficient with his runs. He did look a little a little pudgy. Um, I just hope he didn't lose a step doing that. With the type of athlete he is, I don't I don't think so. But it will we'll see. It's just the first game, so don't want to overreact too much in that direction right now. Yeah, we've seen guys like you know NFL players do this you know, almost every year. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not reading into it yet. Absolutely not. Not, not yet. We'll talk about some other 24 running backs late later, but not worried about them compared to what some other ones did. We move on to Mercer and Ole Miss. Quinshawn Junkins, 60 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. I think he had 12 or 13 carries. 
So it got some decent usage, but it was just Mercer, and he just couldn't get it going, didn't see those big plays that he broke out last year, but got in the end zone twice. So very good to see. And then I was really impressed with Jackson Dart. Maybe he is back from the grave to shoot up draft boards and every rankings. Uh, 18 and 23 for 334 and four touchdowns through the air and added 36 on the ground. So great game for him. That's really good to see. I'm happy about that for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. I was more excited about the Jackson Dart looking looking pretty good. You know, since in telling the same stats, but he he had himself a game. You know, 18, 23, three, 300 plus four touchdowns. A great game. Quinshawn, two rushing touchdowns. Great game. Uh, I think that I mean every quarterback for Ole Miss. I think had a good game again. It's it's just Mercer, but to see Jackson Dart go out there and I don't know. I'm trying to I'm kind of comparing him to to Bo Nix a little bit. So to see him go out there week one and kind of have himself a Bo Nix game in a way, I'm I'm excited for it and excited to see what he does the rest of the season against obviously tougher competition. Yeah, I mean we've seen him his whole career. He's been up and down. Sometimes he plays bad against bad opponents. Then he plays good or vice versa. He plays really well against great opponents, and then he just drops a dud for us. Yeah. But we'll see how he continues to go. Yeah, he's very then, much roller coaster bound. Yeah, unfortunately, but Matt Corral was kind of the same way in that offense. I think it's just a product of Lane Kiffin's scheme. But we'll see if he can break that cycle. And then one game I know we were both excited for was Boise State at Washington. And from a competition standpoint, disappointed. We thought Boise would keep up a little bit more, a little bit low scoring. But as far as Boise, uh, Taylor Green, the quarterback we touched on in the preview, 244 touchdown and two picks and five for 31 on the ground. So not a terrible game, but when you're throwing two interceptions, you're not going to help your team out very much. And a big part of his game is running and using his legs. He didn't make a huge impact on the ground like we saw last season a good bit. Yeah, I'm uh... – Again, like you said about about Boise State quarterback, I was more impressed with uh, Michael Penix Jr. I think he had four passing touchdowns before before halftime. Uh, he, you know, for all intents and purposes, put Washington on his back and just carried him the whole game. Oh yeah, he Finished put on an with, absolute clinic. Yeah, four hundred fifty yards through the air and five touchdowns. I mean, you can't you can't ask for more out of your quarterback. I mean, two receivers went over a hundred. One had ninety five. He had touchdown passes to, well, not him, but the team had six touchdown passes caught by one, two, three, by five different receivers. So yeah, spread the ball around the nicely. Same box score as you. A guy at the top that led it, Roma Dunsey, had himself a day two, seven catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, a Dunze, sorry. I think I said a Dunze. A Dunze. Had himself a game. I know Jalen McMillan had himself a game as well. I feel like he was making a highlight play. I think he he have a kickoff return for a touchdown too. No, he just had two receiving touchdowns. Yeah, but, he was the lucky man to catch multiples. But with Roma Dunze, he's a very hot name right now, shooting up draft boards, even NFL mock drafts, looking like a first rounder at this point. People are speculating, so it's going to be interesting to see where he's ranked in Debbie rankings and rookie rankings going forward. It's this twenty four class for wide receivers. Looks a bit loaded at the moment. 
Yeah, it does. When you get guys like Roma Dunze shooting up boards, I mean, it's just some of these older veteran guys, you know, finally pulling through, I guess. It, it, it looks loaded. It looks very much loaded. And it's also, you know, you've got MHJ and Abuka top there, Xavier Worthy. It's just top to bottom is great. I love it. Yeah, then you got Neighbors, Troy Franklin, Keon Coleman emerging, uh, Johnny Wilson emerging, Malachi Corley. He's a dominant college football receiver. We could see him get some buzz here before too long. Just a lot of names in there. I, I could easily go 10 deep and be, at this point, very happy with what we've seen so far. Yeah, I think that this is definitely the deepest position for uh, Dynasty drafts next year. So We'll move on to, well, before we move on, uh, running back, Boise State, sophomore Ashton Gennetti, 10 for 44 and a touchdown. Him and George Halani both had 10 carries, so a two-headed monster. But the more impressive thing was he had four catches for 109 and a touchdown. He was their leading receiver with 109, so he had himself a ball game. He is someone that is going to be a hot name within the next couple of weeks in the Debbie community. I can already see it. He's People are going to want him to transfer somewhere else to a bigger school his junior year. I already heard rumors that people are come knocking with NIL money this past offseason trying to pluck him from Boise State. This kid's going to be big time. Yeah, I could see it. It's not very often you're running back to leading, not, not target getter, but you're leading receiving yards getter. He had a long of 50, so... I think it's very possible. Boise State doesn't look as good as they have in the past, so it's. I wouldn't be surprised. NIL starts knocking, and can't blame him for chasing the money. No, absolutely not. Not nowadays. If it's there, sometimes you just got to take it and milk that cash cow, man. You have to. Oh yeah, definitely. Move on to your Ohio State Buckeyes. Traveled to Indiana to play the Hoosiers. I'll let you take the lead on this one. What do you think from a Debbie standpoint and a diehard Buckeye. How how are you feeling about the performance today? Well, um, I have a lot of a lot of feelings about this game. Um, personally, I'm not the biggest Kyle McCord fan. Um, he, in a sense, reminds me a little bit of C.J. Stroud last year. That if he's if it's not like option number one or read number one, he's not the greatest. And in a way, that's to be expected because he's a you know it's his first time starting being the guy. So. You give him a little bit of a, I guess, pass on that. But some of the decisions he makes after that are just, I'm, I'm not a fan. He had a wide open, easy touchdown in a goal to go situation when Chip Trainum blocked the linebacker and he ran right towards the guy that Trip was, Chip was blocking. Had he ran right, he would have walked into the end zone for a touchdown. I, for the life of me, don't know why he picked the run left instead of right. I don't know. Just no vision whatsoever, no awareness. I said it again in one of our chats earlier, if that was Devin Brown, I'd like to think he would have made the correct read and hit the hole and walked in for six, being a natural runner that he is. Yeah. Which I know Ryan Day said, we're going to see both quarterbacks. We saw Devin Brown for, what, three plays, and he ran the ball once, and that was it? Uh, that was, yeah, when it seemed like they were going to go back and forth a little bit, Devin Brown got one series, and he didn't throw the ball at all. He did see a little bit of playing time in the last – two, three minutes of the game, and they, we finally got to see him throw, I think, two passes, but the, it was garbage time, complete garbage time. I thought it was going to be a true split, um, kind of like what Indiana did with their quarterbacks, but it, it was not that. 
Yeah, that was surprising. I thought it'd be more of a kind of like what Michigan did last year with McNamara and McCarthy. You get one half, you get the other. I thought we'd see a lot more Devin Brown, especially with how long the offense struggled under McCord. But apparently he is Ryan Day's guy, like we've heard a lot. And he's got a pretty long leash so far. I mean, he might be Kyle McCord's guy, but I've heard nothing but great things about Devin Brown at camp. So to me, this – and then the same thing, like when they interviewed Ryan Day at halftime, he said we weren't uh, capitalizing in our our short yardage situations. Well, why don't you put the quarterback out there who runs the ball a little bit better, can make better reads in those zone read situations, those RPO situations. I'm not a coach, but I just – I wish Devin Brown would have been given more opportunities. Um, if you're going to sit there and say that you're going to split time between both quarterbacks and that we'll see both quarterbacks, it should have been a lot more of a split. You could have just said, look, it's going to be um, McCord's game one, Devin Brown's game two. We'll figure out who we're going against with game three. That way, come game four, we can play Notre Dame and have our guy. But I think this – I just hope it's not a Cardell and JT situation all over again because otherwise that would be brutal. Um uh, how are your feelings about this? I still have a lot more to say, but how are your feelings about this? Oh, I thought McCord was just god-awful. He had close to zero as you could possibly have as far as awareness in the pocket. I think I texted you about it where we thought it was a fumble and it was an incomplete pass. He had all day to throw it. He didn't move. He was just a statue and got blindsided. That wasn't the first play that happened from when I was watching the game. He just has no awareness back there. No clue what's going on, who's coming from where. He's just one of those classic quarterbacks that just holds the ball and pats it and pats it and pats it and takes a sweet time when he doesn't have it. I was not impressed, but this is similar to what we saw in the spring game as well. It's nothing uh, new. Yeah, I think he looked a little better now than in the spring game, which is to be expected. I mean, we're months removed from the spring game, so – Again, like I said, to be expected, but I was—I'm I'm not necessarily a fan of of Kyle McCord. I don't—I don't think he's it. Uh, probably been spoiled a little bit with the guys like C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields here here lately. But I, man, I'm just—I'm I'm not feeling Kyle McCord. He—he he did make a couple good throws. Uh, arguably, his best throw of the night was his throw to Marvin Harrison Jr. for a touchdown that didn't count because Marvin Harrison stepped out of bounds, so he was an illegal receiver, you know, catching the ball. And then probably his second best throw was to Cade Stover, kind of a like a little more of a touch pass kind of over the middle, where I think Cade got close to 40 yards down the field. Um, but yeah, I'm, man, I'm just I'm not a McCord fan. I'm I'm not at all. I, I want to see Devin Brown get the chance because I I just feel like he's got it more than McCord does. Yeah, I was kind of surprised because McCord was absolutely locked in on Fleming and Stover. They led the team in targets, and then you look down at Marvin Harrison, or sorry, receptions. They had six and five, respectively, and then Marvin had two, and Ibuka had three, both under 20 yards. So he was locked in on the senior and the junior tight end, which was very surprising, especially since he played with Marvin Harrison in high school. I thought we'd see him hyper-targeted, especially in his first start. He would feel more comfortable going his way than anyone else, and that just wasn't the case. And then you brought up uh, Chip earlier. To me, he was the best running back today. He looked the best from the eye test. Mayan didn't look too great coming back from injury. And then Travion, he did lead the team in carries. He was the only one double digits, but he just looked 
very mediocre to me. He did not look like the Travion Henderson we've come to know and we're hoping he'd bounce back to. Yeah, I know you and I, again, I mean, we text all the time, but we, we texted about the same thing earlier. Chip looked like the best running back without a doubt in my eyes. And if you look at the stats, it, it screams it too. He eight for 57, average 7.1 per carry with the long of 17. For a guy who, you know, transferred and used to play uh, linebacker to have a 17-yard rush on a team that's got Mayan Williams and Trevion Henderson ahead of him, I mean, to me, is, is absolutely crazy. Uh, Henderson, I thought that we were just getting prospect fatigue, but I don't know if he's the same player we saw from him to, or the same guy he was two years ago. He doesn't he doesn't scream great running back to me anymore personally. And to be honest, I think Mayan Williams was the second best running back. He scored, I think, two touch yeah two touchdowns today. And again, I I put in my notes he still looks like a meatball every time he gets the ball. He he is my uh, goal to go situation running back. You know, he's, he's going to keep churning legs and meatball off some guys and hopefully score a touchdown for you. He's, he's, he's the big boy. So, uh, didn't see much of Dallin Hayden. I don't think he played until late in the game when Devin Brown came in. So, nothing to really scoff at for him. But yeah, Henderson. Which was surprising. I, I thought we'd see him over Chip. And Chip, like you said, he was a, he was a running back at Arizona State, transferred the OSU to play linebacker. Flip back to running back last year as like an emergency running back, like what Michigan did with Mullins the last year as well. Just no depth of running back injuries. So they brought him back in at running back, and since then he's looked very good. He's looked better than everyone else since then. So I mean, that was much, surprising. Yeah, with as much PT as he got today, I would say he's the third guy in line at, at worst. You know, I mean – and he could be second and, before too could long. Be, yeah, could be second. Well, I mean, he even got more carries in my womb, so he might be RB2. I, I mean, not 100% sure, but yeah, like you said, last year he came in due to injuries. It was a game. It was like Travion was hurt and my Williams got hurt in the same game, so they had him as the backup, and he had a heck of a game last year too. Um, I, I think he played – honestly, he was probably our best offensive player today. I, I would go with Fleming, which was good to see from him finally to, I guess, quote-unquote break out have a really good game. It took him four years to get there, but maybe he is someone we throw our hat on for the 24 class as well. Going to look much improved if he is going to be a top target on this team. And like you said, Chip did have the most yards, one more carry than Mayan, but again, two of those were on the, the goal line for the touchdowns. But outside of that, he only had 25 yards. So even if you take away the, two goal line carries still not very efficient i know one was a three yard touchdown and i think the other one was a one yard touchdown so you know take away four yards and two carries so five carries for 20 yards it's four yards a carry it's nothing crazy right and with him not being the every back every down back that's like you said nothing too too crazy or too impressive to see that right um i can get what you're saying about julian fleming um i was more impressed i guess with with Cade Stover in a way, uh, he's been more or less known to be that uh, blocking tight end. He's a hell of a blocking tight end, but he he made some plays today. That knew it was always in him, just Ohio State normally doesn't incorporate the tight ends in the passing game. So to me, kind of like you said, uh, Cade Stover and Julian Fleming being the two highest target getters is, is a tad bit crazy when you have guys like MHJ and Igbuka, Carnell Tate down the line. It's 
it's it's weird. Uh, I, I could see MHJ getting mad and wish he transferred to USC. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising with how the college players are, I guess, being nowadays with the loose transfer rules and NIL. But I was very surprised with him targeting Fleming, especially since Fleming was hurt all spring. I believe he was banged up a little bit in August practice. So it's not like he's been there you know, from the beginning with McCord. He's missed half the, the practice time. Yeah, I think right now is about as healthy as he's been all since spring ball. So uh, I'm right there with you. I figured Carnell Tate would play a decent role taking over for Julian Fleming this game. And it slowly pick up and then Carnell Tate would solidify himself as the wide receiver three on this team. But it looks like Fleming might be here to stay. Barring injury, obviously. I was not impressed with Cardinal Tate. I did see one of his drops where he did get hit pretty good, but he had dropped the ball before contact was made. He didn't have control of it. So I was thought I'd be more impressed by him. And same thing. I thought we'd see him on the field a lot more. You got any final thoughts on this game? You want to get out in the open and bend about and just let it go? I probably just let it go. Uh, I, to, as a Buckeye fan, this game was extremely disappointing. Uh, I mean, a win's a win. We won 23 to three. I think hats off to the defense in a way. I mean, we held them to three points. That's, that's good. Um, but with as many Debbie aspects and NFL players on this offense, there's no reason we shouldn't have scored 42 points. I get Indiana's defense is, I think better than what we're giving them credit for, but uh, the NFL caliber of talent on this Ohio state offense you can't not score 40-plus. You can't. No, but today they did, and just a slow start, and we'll see what happens throughout practice. If we see some reports that Devin Brown's maybe getting a little bit more run with the first team, we'll see. We will see. Yeah, fingers crossed. Us. I would prefer that, but that's just me. It's weird seeing Devin Brown in 33, though. That's my closing statement. I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people gripe about that as well. But I, I'm i also a Michigan fan and saw Devin Gardner wear 98, so it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> and we'll move on to Tennessee State, led by former Buckeye great Eddie George as the head man, into Notre Dame, led by another former Buckeye, Marcus Freeman. Sam Hartman was once again efficient, as he was in week one. Audric Estime, another 100-yard day with a touchdown, and then kind of surprising to the naked eye, Jaden Greathouse had a very quiet game. He had like three for 30, but he only played, I think, 18 snaps last week. He just made very good work of them with the big plays and the touchdowns. So, like I said, to the naked eye, a lot of people are kind of being negative about Greathouse coming off a huge hot game but then doing next to nothing. But, again, he wasn't on the field a lot of the time again. And that's what I think we're going to expect from great house. He's going to play sparingly. He's going to be the big play guy as we saw week one, but then you're going to get these duds like this week. It's just what we're going to have to deal with this season for him. Yeah. He's a uh, kind of, I mean, pitch count might not necessarily be fair to say, but he's um, I guess more of a gadget, special play, big play hitter type of guy. If he doesn't hit on those big plays, expect weeks like this, like you said, two for 30 as a freshman, that's still not bad. Is it down compared to last week? Absolutely. But that's the type of player he's going to be. He's going to be this season for this team. I don't anticipate him putting up, you know, great numbers week to week 
it's probably until next season at, at the earliest. Yeah, unfortunately, but he looked great. We won. He's got a lot of potential and upside, as we knew coming in. So at least he was involved once again. It wasn't you know, completely quiet because he wasn't getting the deep balls. But we'll move on to an all-Texas battle. JT Daniels is at, I don't know, his 17th school at Rice, leading Texas, which is going to go a rabbit hole in a little tangent. It blows my mind how JT Daniels has been at so many schools, been granted so many waivers, but then we got players like Tez Walker for North Carolina that's being declined his waiver. And I do apologize. I don't remember the young man's name. <clears throat> He's an offensive lineman for Colorado. He was at, I think it was Louisiana or Louisiana Lafayette, one of those two, but his head coach was a father figure to him, and he watched him have a heart attack and die right in front of him on the field. So naturally, bad memories, things like that, he wanted to transfer. He went to Jackson State under Prime, found them to be a family and what he was looking for in a father figure. Deion leaves for Colorado, so naturally he wanted to follow him there. Second time transferring, the NCAA denied his waiver. Uh, are you talking about Tyler Brown? Possibly. I don't like I said, I, I don't remember his name. Yeah, I think that's it. NCAA denies transfer waiver for Colorado offensive lineman Tyler Brown. Yeah, uh, so how do you have from Jackson State kid, started his career at Louisiana? Yeah. Yeah. How do you have a kid that went through that and is in that situation? You say no, that's not quote unquote a good enough reason to play football. But JT Daniels has started at three, four different schools and continuously goes to a new school and he's eligible right away and never sits out. It blows my mind. And like Tess Walker. You know, the COVID year, he didn't play at his school, never played it down to football, went to Kent State, balled out, goes to North Carolina. Nope, you're a two-time transfer, even though technically you only played at one school. But JT Daniels, you know, where do you want to go next year, buddy? You got your eighth year of eligibility coming down. Where's the next stop? It's just mind-blowing. I mean, JT Daniels, he started – did he start at USC? And he definitely started at Georgia last year at some point or the year before at Georgia. Yeah, that he's been and to then, West Virginia. Yep, yeah, and then uh, and Rice. So, no, I'm, uh, I'm, you took the words. Yes, Go ahead. Elvis. You, you took the words out of my mouth with a guy like Devontae Walker. Uh, extremely, not extremely, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but like a completely understandable reason for transferring, wanting to be close to a family member because they died or are not doing good, whatever. I, I don't get how a guy like JT Daniels, like you said, is able to transfer three, four times, however many times he likes, and be immediately eligible. How does that make sense? Is it because he's transferring down that he's allowed instead of transferring up? No, he's still going from, no, I still call it the old school way, an FBS school to an FBS school. But right. if you were to go down to Division Two and HBCU and FCS, you're eligible right away because you're going down a whole nother, I guess, uh, league, if you want to call division. it that. Yeah. yeah, you're going, you're taking a downgrade. You're no longer at the highest. You're going down. So, right. of course, you're going to be eligible right away. But going from FBS school to FBS school, once you do it twice, you're not supposed to be eligible. But here we are. And of course, he looks absolutely terrible because he's not a very good player, but he still gets these Division One starting jobs. And, just gets to travel the country and play football. Meanwhile, other guys that need the transfer and have legitimate reasons are being told, no, you can't play the game you love. 
right? I don't care how sick your grandmother or mother is. You don't get to play for your hometown school. That was kind of messed yeah. up. Yeah, I know Mac, Jow- Mac Brown had some choice words for it yesterday, which Tez Walker's waiver or appeal, whatever process it's in currently, is still pending. So there's still the slight chance he could be ruled eligible, but the NCAA is dragging their feet. Here they are in a primetime game with college game day and without their best receiver, who, by the way, has been practicing with the first team this whole offseason. So if they don't have him, that could be – so far it hasn't made a big difference with this game still. Drake May has played very well. But as the season goes on, that could be a very big hit on having the number one target you've built this report with. And unfortunately, the other receivers just aren't as good as him in the first place. And now you're going to have to go without him for possibly the whole season. It's just a terrible situation all around. It's unfortunate that the NCAA is still being this way. And the president even came out the other day with an interview as well that basically doubled down on their stance that he's not going to be eligible and where they where they stand on this whole situation. Well, of course, the NCAA is going to do what the NCAA wants to do. It's, it's just a part of the game. If they can drag their feet for anything and everything, they absolutely will, because why not? Um, it's, it's unfortunate for Walker, like you said, for, I mean, for everything you said, you know, uh, Drake Mays got rapport with him, building chemistry with him. He's obviously the, would be the wide receiver one on the team, but if you're rolled ineligible and you can't play it, it, it sucks because it would be better if they just, you know, had this, meeting and final decision was no that way drake they could be like all right well there's no sense in you really practicing with the team because you're just taking reps for other guys sorry it sucks hopefully you still want to play with us next year but it's it's a tough situation man it it sucks all around it really does and i don't get what the big deal is why he can't play i think it's stupid absolutely is but we'll call back crawl back out of the rabbit hole get our heads above ground and get on to this game the Golden Mullet, Quinn Ewers, had 260-3, zero turnovers, so he looked pretty good. Uh, Xavier Worthy was the target leader, as we would expect. 90 yards, no touchdowns, but he also looked good. Looks like he's fixed his dropsy problem that was happening last year that we attribute to the broken hand. A uh, Big tight end, Jatavion Sanders, he only caught two of his six targets, but he made them count. 44 yards and two touchdowns. And then as far as the running backs, we saw four different running backs and get a handful of carries each. But Jadon Blue was the leading running back. He looked like the best, and he had the most rush yards last time I looked, which was surprising. I didn't think we would see Mr. Blue as much as we did. From offseason reports, he was not looking the best. He wasn't what Sark wanted, and here we are, week one. He led the team. Yeah, he – um had the second most carries the Jonathan Brooks had the most carries but Jadon Blue had 55 yards Jonathan Brooks had 52 honestly I think Baxter looked the best out of the three um five for 38 and I don't think any of them scored a touchdown but I think I still think Baxter looked the best he had one run where he just it looked like the hole for him to run through was like four inches wide and he made his way through it I, I just I love Baxter um right there with you on Quinn Ewers Heck of a day. Heck of a day. Um, my guy, Adane, Adune, A.D. Mitchell, had himself a touchdown, I believe. I know he only had three catches, 26 yards, but touchdown. 
it seems like he was only kept having yeah. touchdowns when it mattered most in championship games. So, so for him that's to do what it, he does. Catches touchdowns and nothing else. That's all he's there for. Right. If he can do it in a, a week one game, fantastic. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, I, I saw him catch one. It was like uh, 40 – what was it? 44-yard TD TD catch, but he I think he caught the ball eight yards beyond the line of scrimmage and then or you know eight yards ahead of him and then ran the other 36. It was fantastic. Uh, I I love this Texas team as a as a Debbie aspect. I love Xavier Worthy, Jonathan or uh, Quinn Ewers, Tavian Sanders, Cedric Baxter. I still like Jadon Blue, but I'm definitely on the CJ train or Cedric Baxter Jr. train. Um, but yeah, man, this this was a, this was a good, good game to watch. Yeah, they're loaded with Debbie prospects. Uh, Jonte Cook had one catch for nine yards, I believe, so he did get to see the field a little bit. I was hoping for him to be on the field a lot more. Very good reports from the offseason. But just unfortunately, game one didn't get out there too much. But he at least did get out there and get involved a little bit. So that's always a good sign. And, of course, Texas won in a blowout. Go figure. It was also fun because I texted you about your boy Malik Murphy getting in the game. I know he didn't do much. Seeing Malik Murphy out there, just it's, it's a good feeling, man. I like it. Oh, yeah. Even though it was in garbage mop-up time, still, he was out there. He's the clear backup if anything happens. He's going to get some playing time this year. Hopefully, he'll put a little bit on film to stick in the back of Sark's mind or put on tape for transferring if he chooses to go that route. Yeah, he's another one of them guys that has just an absolute cannon for an arm. It's you know, a little little Joe Milton in his game, you can see it. Similar stature, it, it's there. You might squint a little bit, but it's there. We'll move on to Buffalo at Wisconsin. I must say, I thought this offense would look a bit different with Phil Longo. They did throw the ball 31 times. Tanner Mordecai completed 24 of those, but he threw two picks and he only had 189 yards. So they didn't throw the ball efficiently like I thought they would. And uh, also, no C.J. Williams today. He didn't get a reception, which we thought he would be the number one. I think he's the most talented receiver in the room. But unfortunately, just didn't didn't happen for him today, which is not a good sign. Yeah, I know that C.J. Williams was out there because uh, the announcers made it obvious. It said C.J. Williams transferred from USC, was on the field, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, he um, not getting a catch, I think, is a little bit of a, a sign that maybe he's not not our fault, but maybe he's just not going to be a key piece or, of this Wisconsin football team. Um, I think it's funny you say we both thought this offense would look a lot different. It didn't look very much different. It just seemed like there was a, another running back back there with Braylon Allen who got a lot of work as well. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, I think they're kind of sticking to the same problem they've always had, not the greatest quarterback play. I mean, he had a touchdown, but he also had two interceptions. Uh, but I was impressed with uh, Chaz Malusi. Malosi. I don't know how you say his last name, but he had Malusi. Yes, had it right. I thought so. 150 yards and two touchdowns. He had himself a heck of a game. And Braylon Allen did too, 140 yards and two touchdowns as well. But I think Malusi was there first. You missed out on the big Braylon Allen stat, my friend. He was the leading target getter or leading receiver with. Seven, a whopping seven receptions, only 25 yards. So, obviously, they were dink and dunk, swing passes. But still, we saw him catch the ball, which we haven't seen him do in his career previously. So, that was a great sign for him. 
like you said, he had a monstrous game on the ground. So did Chaz Malusi, which is what we typically saw from Wisconsin. I didn't think they would combine for what a whopping 30 carries and they ran the ball 40 times. I didn't think we'd see that much rushing. Yeah, I thought we'd see a lot, a lot better game. 30 carries, 298 yards. I mean, it's almost 10 yards a carry. That's that's pretty sweet. Yeah, so for Braylon, it was a good game. Put him back on the radar for 2024. Like I said, I, when I made the statement earlier, when I was talking with some people, he he was struggling. He didn't have the big runs as of yet. And I said that, you know, Travion, Rocket Sanders, Donovan Edwards, they've all, and Braylon Allen up to that point, they all look subpar, didn't have good days for the 24 running back class, and Devin Neal looked the best. And then Braylon Allen, his ears must have been ringing because from that point on is when he finally played well. And he was like, nope, I'm the best 24 running back this weekend. So good for him. I love seeing it. Yeah, I mean, he again, like you said, I I missed that stat because he only had 25 yards catching. So uh, to see him get some receiving work is awesome. We also got to remember that this kid is also still learning the running back position. I believe he came to Wisconsin as a linebacker. Um, so kudos to, to Braylon Allen. He definitely the 24 RB1 of the week. And then we move on to Portland State at Oregon. What a barn burner Ooh. this was, my friend. Uh, Troy Franklin, leading target getter, which is excellent to see. He had caught seven of them for 106 and two touchdowns. Uh, Bo Nix had a Bo Nix type of game without the rushing. Very efficient, 23 of 27 for 287 and three. No turnovers. Excellent to see. And speaking of Bo Nix, had a prize pick slip in earlier. I think it was a five-pick play. Hey, you sent me the screenshot. Yeah, the other four hit, and his over that I took was for 25 fantasy points, I believe, or 24. But he missed it by a half. He missed, he had what? 24.38, I think. Yep, 0.48. So he missed it by what? Two tenths, two, two rushing yards, another decent pass. I'm like, man, he came out, let a scoring drive in the second half, and got pulled. I was like, are you kidding me? That that close. One more I mean, drive. I mean, thankfully, it was only a $5 slip, so I turned it in $10, but it could have been 50 So, unfortunately for me, Bo Nix didn't give me that the rushing on the ground like I normally would hope for. But he had a great game, starting his Heisman campaign off on the right foot. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on Bo Nix, man. He... Again, incredible game. Wish he would have got you those extra two rushing yards or three over more than 23 and a half. That way, you know, he would have got the got the over for you. Um, but a guy that we've we've talked a, a fair bit about, man, had himself a heck of a game. Uh, Bucky Irving. He had four carries for 119 yards and two touchdowns. Almost 30 yards a carry. Absolutely insane. I, again, I know it's it's Portland State, but you go out there and put up numbers like that. That is that is insane. But that's Tell what me. Bucky can do for you. He can pop those big ones. He can do it in a hurry. And he which, and he did. He did. Which he was next on my list. You know, it just says Bucky only needs four carries to get you a hundred yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. So great, great game for him. And that. Or, go ahead. 
I was going to say Oregon as a whole, 81 to seven. I mean, there's, you can't complain. It's everybody that's relevant Debbie wise, just put up numbers, Bo, Bucky, Troy Franklin. Yeah. I even think the backups, uh, Ty Thompson and freshman Austin Novasad played well. Obviously, yeah. I mean, because when Bo left, it was 57. So they yeah. put up another almost 30 and said earlier, jokingly, you know, halftime being up 50 wasn't enough. You had to hit 57 to get a break for Bo Nix, apparently. Right. Yeah. Ty Thompson and Austin Novasad, like you said, I mean, Novasad was three of three for 13. Thompson, seven, eight for 81, and a touchdown in the air. So. They obviously weren't done uh, passing the ball when they took Bo Nix out. I think you would have hit your number. Oh, easily. Unfortunate for me, that that close. I think that's the closest I've been for like betting or DFS or what have you to not to not hitting. But it's just the way it goes, and that'll do it for the you know noon, three thirty, five thirty slots. Now we're on the you know six seven. 8 o'clock slot games, which are being played at this moment. So a little bit of live reporting going on here now, and I'll see what. Started off with West Virginia and Penn State. They just came out of halftime. Penn State is up 14-7. I expected this to be a little bit more of a blowout. But Drew Aller is having a pretty good game for his sophomore season debut. I saw earlier he had a long, long touchdown pass to Keandre Lambert-Smith. Uh, right now, Mr. Aller is 14-20 for 219 and a touchdown. No turnovers. So great to see that early on from Drew Aller. I know you and I are both very high on him. We have him as a top-five quarterback in Debbie overall at the moment. Yeah, honestly, I haven't. Um, I've got the North Carolina-South Carolina game playing you know, beside me, just kind of looking back and forth at it here and there. So I uh, wasn't paying attention to the Penn State-West Virginia game, but it's nice to see our boy Drew Aller doing, doing the darn thing. Like you said, 219 yards, one touchdown, no interception. I know he's not a freshman, whatever, but uh, first first year starter. You're going to have a little bit of growing pains. That's remained to be seen. It's, it's going to happen. But uh, I, I think, like we said before, I think Penn State's a, a dark horse team this year, and it's going to be thanks to Drew Aller. And it looks like, like you said, Lambert Smith might be that guy that becomes a household name this year. Which wouldn't be surprising given he is the veteran in the wide receiver group. I mean, he's three for 111 and a touchdown. So he is the big play guy so far. We haven't seen Caden Saunders as of yet. I was hoping for big things for him, but not on the field yet. Their receptions, uh, running the ball, they are not running it a lot. Obviously, they're passing more 20 passes to 16 runs. Singleton and Katron both have six apiece. Uh, Singleton's at 34 yards. Katron's at 30, but Singleton got into the end zone. I took Singleton's over at, I think, like 87 and a half, so he needs to, he needs to get in gear for me at this point. But I, I'd like to see him run the ball a little bit more. They're both averaging five-plus yards of carry, so it's effective. Passing game's effective, but it's more what we saw earlier with Colorado dink and dunk. Short yards, not taking very many deep shots right now. I'd like to see him run the ball more here in the second half and pull away. Yeah, like you said, when you sit there and see a running uh, two running backs that are over, averaging over five yards a carry, you only need 10 yards to get a first down. Two plays, you got a first down. It's kind of hard to bet against running the ball. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you, man. I, Singleton and Allen, we're both extremely high on both of them. 
Singleton, obviously. I think Allen's finally making making some headway, climbing up people's rankings. But uh, just seeing both of these guys succeed is what, what I'm hoping for. I think Allen's going to be a heck of a steal if you get into him early still. Absolutely. He's a top 10 running back for me, but I know consensus and a community, they're not that quite yet. Not quite that high on him as of yet, but I surely am. We'll move on think, to – go ahead. I would say I think it's just a lack of exposure on the Katron Allen side, but I, I agree with you. I think he's top 10 back. Yeah, he didn't give you the highlight film that Nick Singleton did, but he did get a lot of the work. So he he's there. You just got to open your eyes and pay attention to him when he's on the field a little bit more. Absolutely. And USC is playing as well. They are playing at home against Nevada. Caleb Williams made quick work, 18-24 for 319 and five touchdowns. I called it on our first preview show. He's my Heisman pick, and so far he looks like it. And as far as receivers, Taj Washington has the most yards. Mario Williams, your guy, has the most receptions. And Zachariah Branch only has one catch for 22 and a touchdown. So not a – not a big day like we saw in week one, which if you expected him to do that once again, you were going to be disappointed. But he at least found the end zone on his one target. And, of course, he's still the return man as well. So still getting on the field. Hopefully uh, here in the fourth quarter he'll see a little bit more work. Um, I think we saw a little bit more Zachariah Branch last week because they were struggling pretty bad offensively. Uh, I haven't watched this game, but I feel like they – just kind of orchestrated their, you know, their own offense in a way to put points on the board easy, get Zachariah Branch the ball, let him do what he does. He's fast, 25 miles per hour runner. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, they haven't had the same problems this week. You said Taj Washington, two touchdowns, 75 yards. Uh, Mario Williams, again, one of my guys. I think he's a bit of a sleeper for, for most people, but I love him. Um Caleb Williams doing what Caleb Williams does. 300-plus yards and five touchdowns. There's really not much more to, to report on, on for USC. No, I know selfishly for me, I want Zachary Branch to get another touchdown. Uh, USC is up by 38 currently with about 11, 10 minutes left in the fourth. I took a, a boosted bet on Fliff earlier today for Zachary Branch to get two-plus touchdowns and SC to win by 40. Where. Very close to hitting that one as well. So hopefully he'll get in one more time, and that'll seal the deal for that one. Yeah, two touchdowns and the win. That would be nice. I'd be beautiful. I'd love that. It doesn't have to be a receiving. It can just be a, a kickoff return. Give me one more of them. I'd be happy. Exactly. The all-purpose all purpose touchdowns are always great. Let's see. Let's check in on the two-time defending national champions, Georgia. I know I saw earlier – our guy Brock Bowers did what he does once a year, took a jet sweep to the house. Of which course. I say to the house very lightly, it was a three-yard run. But still, it was a jet sweep for him. We love seeing it. He's having a great game. Five catches for 77 yards. Uh, Carson Beck, again, not watching the game at the moment, of course, but he is not in the game currently. There's only two minutes left, and he was pulled a, a good while ago. But he went 21 to 31 for 294 and a touchdown. So, pretty good debut from the box score standpoint for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Beck. And then anytime you can see a, a tight end a score a rushing touchdown, I'm, I'm 
I'm all in for it, man. Uh, Kendall Milton, leading rusher. Great to see him go out there and be productive and hopefully continue to stay healthy. I was going to say most overall healthy. That's what we want. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Branson Robinson – or Roderick Robinson, I'm sorry. Uh, Open up an old wound with that one with the injury, man. <laughs> I hear you. I, I do apologize. I, this, this running back room, they, they seem to always – somebody gets hurt. It's bound to – you can't be a Georgia running back without having injuries. It's, it's There's a always prerequisite. just as good or better right there waiting on you. Oh, absolutely. It's like you miss it. You blink and you're gone. You got to look a, a little bit deeper in the box score for this one, but this one excites me the most. I know only two catches for 24 yards, but our man Oscar Delt found the end zone in week one. I love it. Getting him involved, targeting him, obviously, for touchdowns. Love to see it. Hopefully, he'll get a lot more usage this season. I would assume if they're using Brock Bowers to run the ball that Oscar Delp might be able to catch some. So, yeah, I'm with you. I love it, man. Oscar Delp, uh, top four, top five, Debbie tight end, I think, for me. So nah, Screw I'm, I'm it. Right Let there. Oscar Delp get some run, too, man. Just throw him on the end around. He's probably more athletic than Brock Bowers, I'd say. Faster. I, I think Let so. Let him run the ball. Yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Just don't let them hurt their knees. Yeah, we, we don't want that, especially with both of them being a large men. No, no, that's problems we don't want. Yeah, six, we'll look six, at Alabama. Four, six, Jalen Milrow got the start today. Uh, right now it's 35-0, 12 minutes left in the third. Milrow is still out there. 11 of 16 for 160 and two touchdowns through the air, no interceptions. And then he also added seven carries for 48 and two touchdowns. He is her leading rusher at this point. Uh, no turnovers most importantly, so he's not out there making mistakes and hurting the team. But he's having a great game. Yeah, oh, he is. Ha, our man Isaiah Bond. Isaiah Bond, I was looking at that. Yeah, 69 yards and a touchdown on three catches. Tied for most receptions, and he is the leading yardage receiver. And Jermaine so, Burton's not far behind him. Also no, with the touchdown. Two, yeah, two for 57. And then Malik Benson down there, one for five, but it's okay. Not going to panic. I still big believer he could pop up and be a day two pick in the NFL that's come this draft. He's got worlds of potential. You Maybe say, you say Malik Benson, right? Yes. Yeah. He's a transfer, right? Yep. Juco. Number one Juco receiver. Yep. That's what I thought. I, I mean, it's just middle, middle Tennessee State. So you take that for what it's worth. But Milrose had himself a game both through the air and on the ground. And you know, hopefully these wide receivers can. You maybe build some confidence and be a nice group of receivers for Milrow this year. Hopefully. It'd be nice to see something different from Alabama. You know, a running quarterback. We haven't seen that since Jalen Hurts. And even before that, it was Blake Sims, which I'm not sure if a lot of you remember him. But that was, what, maybe 10 years ago? It well, was you gotta, quite a while ago. You got to remember, who was Blake Sims' best wide receiver? Amari Cooper, my friend, they still had a yeah, wide receiver yeah. one. He did, so but yeah, that's that eight, eight yeah. to ten years. Eight to ten years ago, I mean, it's it's been a while. It's been a while, and it looks like for Penn State, back to them, Keandre Lambert Smith got a twelve-yard touchdown, so he's up to one hundred twenty and two touchdowns today. Drew Aller's up to two fifty-six and two touchdowns. They're now twenty-one-seven. You better hope they start running the ball. 
I mean, Singleton's up to 53, so he added another 20. Okay. Uh, obviously doing it efficiently, making the most. And as far as him, from what I when I was watching before we hopped on here, he's he's much improved from last year. He doesn't look like the guy trying to hit the big plays. There's one particular run. He was very patient, you know, hesitated a little bit, and then hit the hole. Last year, you would have seen him running right up underneath the offensive lineman. But this year, a lot more patient, it seems, looking for a little bit better vision, I'd say. So he's looking for the holes that are developing. He's not just slamming it up the gut and trying to hit that home run. He's taking what they give him. I was so, about to say that. So taking what the defense is giving him, that, that's good. You know, amazing the, to see. Let the blocks develop in front of you and, and take what you can get. Don't look for that, like you said, home run every single play. Sometimes you need that home run, but you know, take what the defense is opening up for you. Absolutely. And that's just phenomenal to see because he did come from a triple option offense in high school. So that was to be expected of him last year, but – one year, two off seasons, problem fix seems to be at least improved. That he's got that in his head. It's not you don't need these eighty yards right now. You can take what they give you and still be a good, pretty good running back. We'll move on to the battle of the Carolinas. Just literally fifteen minutes down the road for me right now, and the Panthers Bank of America Stadium. We got South Carolina versus North Carolina. So pretty cool. Heard the other day. Actually, the uh, I forget what exactly the plane is or the jet, the how they do the flyover with the military jets before the game during pregame and all that. I actually right. heard it for about half an hour, rumbled my house a little bit because I'm that close and the planes were that low. Them doing their practice runs around the stadium and about 7.15, start shaking a little bit and you hear it again. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Heck yeah, man. So far, it's... It's not what I expected and what I had bet on. The UNC is up 24-14. to 14, 11 minutes in the third quarter now left. Uh, Drake May, we touched on it earlier. You know, the receiver receiving group is mediocre at best, I'd say, currently. Unproven, that's the better word. They're all yeah. unproven guys. But he has said, no worries, guys. Hop in my backpack, and I got it. 18-22 for 219 and a touchdown. He added 25 on the ground so far. So he, he's doing his thing, which is surprising to me. I thought he would. South Carolina's defense is no joke. It's not a top-tier defense, but they are very solid defense. So I thought May would struggle a lot more than what he has to this point without Devontae Walker. Yeah, um, I mean, when we were talking about this game previously, I think you picked South Carolina to win the game. I picked North Carolina. Um but I, I kind of thought, again, like you were saying, that Drake May was going to struggle not having like his wide receiver one, Devontae Walker, out there, that it, it'd be a bit of a struggle on offense. Like you said, 10 and a half, 11 minutes left in the game. He's got over 200 passing yards, 25 rushing yards, hasn't turned the ball over. I mean, he's, to me, well and easily in control. You know, might not be a, a sell option. He might not be at this point, but we will see how he fares the rest of the game. Spencer Rattler hasn't been red hot, but he's played a good game, 10 of 14 for 171. Hasn't touched a touchdown just yet. Their two touchdowns have come on the ground, but he's having himself an efficient game, and for what I've sneaked to peek at, he's looked pretty good. And hopefully, I made a few bets. He said South Carolina to win, and then, 
took another odds boost earlier for Rattler to get two plus passing touchdowns and South Carolina win. So I'm, I'm um, a little surprised he hasn't tossed a touchdown through the first half. Man, it, I wish you could see this Drake May play that just happened. He oh, was ro- I, I saw he was rolling out to the left, left mm-hmm. sidearmed it. Man, that was, Patrick Mahomes, huh? Yeah, that was beautiful, man. That was beautiful. Uh, but I, I'm with you on on Spencer Rattler. Yeah, not a terrible game. He's been sacked a few times. Drake May has not been sacked yet, so I feel like that's a a big key to why this game currently is what it is. Um, but yeah, I, Spencer Rattler. At least he's not losing you the game. You know, would like to see him orchestrate this offense, get a little bit more going, but I feel like North Carolina's defense is a little bit underrated as well. They are. I'll give them that. Not Again, not the best, but they will get the job done in points at some points, I meant to say. But yeah, it's a, it's a decent game so far. I know UNC got the ball back, and Drake May made that amazing play, and they're marching right down the field looking to make this a three-score game. And if they do – it's going to be hard for South Carolina to come back. They have a, a really good offense, but they're not up-tempo, high-flying, big plays all the time. It, like like Rattler, 10 of 14, they're efficient, march their way down the field, slow, methodical drives. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Hopefully they're able to hold them to three, keep it a two-possession game. That would be nice. A, uh, I think a name that we have – Touched on in the past a little bit. Omarion Hampton does have two rushing touchdowns as well. Um, yeah, finally somebody is breaking out in that running back room. I know it wasn't him. It was I can't remember his name at the moment. Uh, British Brooks, maybe British Brooks. Yeah, yeah, he looked good early on when I was watching, or completely focused on the game. He looked really good early on. I believe he's on the field right now and had a good couple of runs the last two carries. Yeah, I mean, I, my stats haven't updated yet, but yeah, he's got like nine for forty-three, so it looks like he's having himself a game as well. Yeah, he's had the ball or three straight carries, probably picked up about seventeen yards off those carries. That's it, I'd say. Kind of the same thing we're talking about the Penn State game. If you mm-hmm. can rush the ball and get five yards of carry, you're doing pretty darn well. And so it's nice to see their running backs playing well because up to this point last year they kind of fell flat of potential and expectations of what they have. I was just hoping my guy, George Petaway would be the one to make an impact, right. but he's also, I forget where I saw it. It might've just been on DraftKings, but he was listed as a wide receiver. But uh, okay. They need playmakers everywhere. I'm, I didn't look at the numbers, but I don't think Bryson Nesbitt has a reception either. I thought he would be the main man for this evening, at least. He's got targets. three for 22. I think Nesbitt was the one that caught that ball where he threw it sideways, where he threw it sidearm. Ah, uh, yeah. But, I mean, looking, just no names attached, but going down the, the numbers for receptions, 6 3 one, two, two, three, two, one, one. So I have 21 receptions, which George Petaway has one for zero yards. Good job. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's used nine different receivers so far out of – 26 throws. So spreading the ball around to everyone. Yeah, and there's Devontae Walker on the sideline, cheering on his team like a great teammate he looks to be. Hey, sometimes we need cheerleaders too. I, oh, absolutely. Not his fault. Touchdown. 
81 Don't you is get... that. You said 81? Is that yeah, Kobe Ah, uh, John Kubenhaver. Yep. Yeah, but I'm, I'm a little bit uh, delayed. I just saw the snap, so. There's a flag. Oh, under pressure, and he still got it up there. Wow, that was impressive as well. It was a nice catch. I think I'm going to have to take back uh, selling Drake May for the reasons I I did have. May <laughs> have to change my reasoning. Well, but, I think it would be smart for you to to not sell Drake May. He is um, – I mean, I was never really on the sell train for Drake May, but I think he's uh, playing pretty lights out tonight personally. Um, yes, he is. You're not wrong. Last year I felt like – not prospect fatigue, but got a little – maybe a little bored with him because it was like completely expected that he was the sole point of the offense. So he, he had to be that guy last year. Yeah, he was and, the – Leader in yardage for all of FBS teams last year. And it looks it's heading that direction again. It's going to have to. Or this team's going to compete for an ACC title. That's for yeah. sure. But that was rolling to his left, going pedaling backwards. Two guys right on him, threw off a of one foot. And good thing the receiver made the adjustment, came back to the ball. So good, great job on his part as well. But that was one heck of a play. It That's is. it. I'm no more sell. But I don't <laughs> own Drake May. You do. You're, you're holding them at the moment. Is there any point that you would consider selling? Like what is something he would have to do or not do to make you think, maybe I trade him for an NFL player instead of keeping this Debbie quarterback? What, what? I, I personally, I'm, I'm pretty, um, pretty well invested in Drake May at this point uh, for me to, to get rid of him. I, maybe overinflated a Debbie price in a way, but I'd, I would have to get a, a stud quarterback in return uh, to me at this point, he's worth holding on to. And, you know, I think he's got the potential to be a top 10, top 12 NFL quarterback. So if you're not at least giving that back to me, I'm going to hold on to him. Uh, maybe say he wins the Heisman this year and I can capitalize on that and get a guy. I don't know, Justin Herbert. I'd probably take that all day, but it, it'd be something, something, That'd be like a top 10 quarterback for me to even start thinking about it. Okay. It might not be top 10 today, but would you rather have May over Bryce and Stroud at this point still? I know we said that for many, many episodes on Gridiron leading up to the draft that we'd rather have May over those two. But now that they are top top two picks, they're in the league, they are the starters, does that change your mind? at all of wanting them over May at this point? I think that there is a definitive difference in tier in tiers between CJ and Bryce Young. I think Bryce is easily a tier ahead of CJ Stroud. Uh, I would probably trade Drake May for Bryce Young, but not CJ. Uh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't trade him for CJ. Not what we've seen from him so far in the organization he's playing for. I would consider Bryce, but I think I might need a little plus on top. Yeah. Just because so far, I think May has more potential, the higher ceiling. He definitely gives you the rushing compared to Bryce Young. That's for sure. But, yeah, I, big, I wouldn't mind swapping in for Bryce and getting a little something on top. Uh, the the big thing for me with Bryce Young is Bryce Young has got it between the ears. He's He processes defenses at an extremely high level. Uh, kind of the same thing we were talking about, Shadur. Uh, maybe not on the show, but earlier – 
He always goes to the right guy when it comes to the situation when, you know, throwing the ball. He always makes the correct play. Bryce Young, that that's him. He did it every year at Alabama. So um straight up, I I mean I'm I'm contemplating it, but if, if he gave me a little something on top, I, I'd probably I would do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I said the other day when we were having a discussion about this that I would love to sell him for Quinn Ewers Plus. At this point, I'd be tickled pink if I could swap him for Quinn and get something nice on top with the way a lot of people view Quinn at this point. Talk about Drake but May, it, right? Yep, Drake May. Yeah. No, I think I'd keep Drake May. Can't fault you there, especially with what we've seen tonight. But that about does it. We stay on here for too long. We'll just talk about the live games all night long, and we can't have that. So we'll go ahead and get out of here for the for the evening. Appreciate everyone tuning into this, and we'll see you guys again next week. You can follow us on Twitter at Gump7285. You can find Derek at D underscore Cook93, and that is spelled K-O-C-H. And then catch our week two preview on our podcast feed, the Gridiron Fantasy Show. That'll be dropping on Wednesday of this upcoming week. So check that out to see the preview, and you'll hear our reaction once again here on the Destination Debbie Radio. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the good games we still have to come on Sunday. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week.